Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, August 3rd. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I am a firm believer in finding the positive in the darkest of stories, in the darkest of times. I joke often that I am an optimistic catastrophist, meaning I see the worst, but I can also find the best. It's why I do this podcast and always have a positive takeaway. It's why my radio show I used to do in Pennsylvania was called Higher Ground. We have so much bad news lately and so much stressful news that I thought it might help to take a look at some on their surface really hard or bad stories and see what the takeaway is. And I want to start with COVID. Because COVID was for the country for what, two years, a real trauma. It affected everyone's life in the most unexpected and undesirable ways. But think about something. It was because of COVID and the isolation and the lockdowns and the school closings that parents for the first time because of remote learning began to see the curriculum that their children were being taught. And when those parents saw that curriculum and saw the perversion of U.S. history and saw the complete vacuousness of that curriculum, and in some ways, if it wasn't vacuous, it was antithetical to what those parents believed in, both about their own values, but also about what America stood for. Those parents began showing up at school board meetings and they made known what their agenda was. And because of that, because they had the courage and the wherewithal and the will to attend those school board meetings, our Department of Justice began to harass them and prosecute them as domestic terrorists. But it was those parents that I believe was the shot across the bow of the left in this country and what it has done to education and what it has done to the culture. Those parents were the ones that awakened so many others since to the deception and the true misinformation and the true disinformation and the true source of where all that is coming from. And then we had January 6th, a very difficult day in our history, admittedly. It should never have happened the way it happened, but it wasn't an insurrection. It was a gathering, a peaceful gathering that got out of hand and some people turned it into a riot, not an insurrection, but ever since there's been persecution and prosecution, <clears throat> excuse me, of at least 750 individuals for parading or for other misdemeanors. Virtually no one has been charged with a felony and yet their due process rights have been violated. And the DOJ, our Department of Justice, has been treating them differently than they treated all of the BLM and Antifa rioters in 2020, who actually established a police-free zone, who attacked the Portland Federal Courthouse 
with mortars for a hundred days and looted what was called Mag Mile and, by the way, killed 34 people in the process. Those people were and continue to be treated differently than those people on January 6th who got caught up in a riot and, by all intents and purposes, can't even be charged with anything other than misdemeanors. And what happened in Portland and what happened with the death of George Floyd began the defund the police movement. Well, the defund the police movement led to an increase in crime, particularly in those cities that attempted to do or that did do just that, defund their police departments. It also led to an awful lot of cops quitting, which only worsened crime in those areas. But it all drew attention to the absurdity of the defund the police movement, and it has shined a bright light on the disparate approaches that the DOJ takes to different groups, depending on who they are, what their political alignment is, and who is speaking for them. And then we've got the gender fluidity movement, the trans movement which is driven much more by political agenda and emotion than it is by medical science and reason. In fact, there is a, an organization called the Tavistock Center in England, and they have a gender identity development service clinic that treats children who may be experiencing trouble relating to their gender identity. Well, guess what? The National Health Institute in Britain has just shut it down. Why? Because of a damning report that was issued by someone named Hillary Cass, who is a senior pediatrician. She has been reviewing the NHS gender services for children for the last year and a half or two years. And along with her report, also from what was called the Care Quality Commission, and a series of whistleblowers and the High Court in Britain all have raised concerns about what the Tavistock Center was doing, about the services they were providing, because in recent years, the number of children who have been seen there and treated has risen sharply, and the numbers waiting to be treated around gender identity or gender dysphoria are increasing also. What these reports have concluded, what these inquiries have concluded, and what these whistleblowers have made known is that giving puberty blockers to children is considered experimental, and it could have long-term unintended effects. In fact, Cass's report concluded two things, and I want to read them to you verbatim. The first is, it's unknown whether treating vulnerable children distressed and uncertain about their gender with potentially life-changing drugs without knowing whether those drugs delivered the intended results or actually made it harder for them to resolve their distress and their uncertainty. And her second quote from that report is this, a further concern is that adolescent sex hormone surges may trigger the opening of a critical period for experience dependent rewiring of neural circuits underlying executive function, such as the maturation of the part of the brain that's concerned with planning, decision-making, and judgment, which does not mature until age 25. If this is the case, the report goes on, 
brain maturation may be temporarily or permanently disrupted by puberty blockers, which would have significant impact on the ability to make complex, risk-laden decisions in the short term or possibly longer, meaning for the rest of their lives. England is going on pause around puberty blockers and treating what appears to be gender dysphoria. Finland and Sweden have similarly instituted restrictions on what those countries will do. Finland and Sweden, but here in the United States, not yet. Not yet, but it's coming. It's coming because, again, out of every bad comes a good. Also, because of the COVID lockdown, I doubt that the federal government will again be able to convince as many people as they did last time to comply with lockdowns and mandates about what you have to put in your body. In fact, the hypocrisy to me is so blatant because if we look at monkeypox, if the federal government and the left cared so much about the LGBTQ plus one or whatever community, why hasn't there been one word from anyone in power, anyone with authority, anyone at the federal level, anyone from these leftist groups suggesting that gay men curb their sexual activities for a while or maybe not frequent bathhouses for a while when 98% of the transmission of monkeypox is among gay sex partners. When we had a lockdown for COVID, they shut down the churches, the synagogues, the small businesses. They all had a shutdown. Why? Because somebody might sneeze and give somebody else fundamentally the flu. But the hypocrisy is unmasked, right? The good that comes out of this is the apparent disregard for the gay community. Because if there was regard for the gay community, there would be concern for the environments in which it's spreading among the gay community. But there isn't. That concern is there. Out of every bad comes a good. You know, not all conservatives are Republicans, and not all Republicans are conservatives in return, and not all Republicans are ethical or honest or are any better at being politicians in many regards than are Democrats. And I am on here all the time talking about people like Mitch McConnell, who I think is corrupted and compromised on his own. Good people can be elected in the Democratic Party as well. And in fact, I think the real criteria for what we need going forward isn't Republican or Democrat, it's conservative. We need people who are willing to stand for these values that have been corrupted and perverted by the left. We need people who are conservative regardless of what their political party label is. And it just happened, everyone. It just happened in Michigan. Haley Stevens, who is a Democrat, defeated the incumbent Representative Andy Levin, also a Democrat in Michigan, in Michigan's 11th Congressional District yesterday in suburban Detroit. Why? Because after the issue of Levin's hostility to Israel became a defining issue in the contest, Haley Stevens beat him. 
Levin, clearly by his name, is a Jew, but that is no criteria or measure of whether or not someone is left or right politically. And it's certainly not an indication of whether or not they support Israel. There are a plethora of Jews who are not supportive of Israel. Personally, I feel like woe to them. I think they're on the wrong side of history. But my point here is that Haley Stevens is willing to stand by a commitment that we as a free and independent constitutional republic who operates on democratic principles made to the only democracy in the Middle East, and that's Israel. So good things are happening, even in the Democrat Party. Yesterday, the head of the Fed in San Francisco, the Federal Reserve, her name is Mary Daly. She's the president of the San Francisco Fed. She makes $422,000, almost $423,000 a year. And recently, she got out of a ton of investments right before the Fed finalized strict new guidelines on what their policymakers could hold in their portfolios. Well, this woman had what I guess you could call a Nancy Pelosi ice cream moment yesterday in an interview with Reuters. If you remember, Nancy Pelosi was bragging about on an interview in her home, her, what is it, her her $10,000 freezer or whatever it is, her multiple freezers where she gets her custom ice cream delivered to her because she can, because like Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. Well, the head of the San Francisco Fed yesterday said this quote. I hope you're sitting down. It's hard to believe, but it has a positive outcome. She said, I don't feel the pain of inflation anymore. I see prices rising, but I have enough. I sometimes balk at the price of things, but I don't find myself in a space where I have to make trade-offs because I have enough and many Americans have enough, end quote. It's that kind of willingness and obliviousness and unconsciousness to make a statement like that through Reuters that will be carried around the world that will bring these people down because there is a woman in a very high position of authority who is totally out of touch with every average American in this country. People do not feel that they have enough. 68% of people are living paycheck to paycheck right now. That's a very scary and dangerous situation for those people. So the fact that she has enough or that Nancy Pelosi has a freezer full of custom ice cream or several freezers full of custom ice cream or the fact that Joe Biden thinks that lowering gasoline by eight or 10 cents is a big deal. These people who are so out of touch with what's happening are causing the pendulum to swing back. They are causing people to begin to realize that we have to stand up and say no, that we have to elect different kinds of people, that we have to not tolerate this kind of corruption in our country. And it's happening. A couple days ago, I spoke to a realtor in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he said to me that every single person he's finding a house for, and he's incredibly busy because the market there is still incredibly hot, every single person feels the way Basically, I'm talking to you about on this podcast because he and I are aligned in terms of values and principles and and politics to a great degree. And he said everybody he's talking to, the average person, no matter what financial class they're in, in terms of what kind of home they can afford, everybody is saying the same thing. The system isn't rotten. The system is pretty phenomenal and amazing. The people in charge of it are corrupted 
and are out of touch and they need to go. And many of them are old. And I say that because I'm closer to a lot of their ages than I probably am to my listeners, or at least a percentage of my listeners. But I'm here to say that at some point, depending on your age and your faculties, there are just some jobs you shouldn't be doing anymore. And Nancy Pelosi's job and Joe Biden's job are two of those jobs that those people should not be doing. But again, out of every bad comes a good. And out of this out of touch, out of the pendulum having swung as far as it can go in one direction, it's beginning to move back. And I think we can thank those parents who had the courage and the consciousness to step up and say, not my child and not on my watch. You know, the 60s radicals that were the hippies are now in many instances in positions of power. And they've kind of brought their we know best and socialistic perspective to the nation and maybe even to the world, but it doesn't work. And it doesn't work for the simple reason that I always identify, which is you can't legislate morality. Oneness is a spiritual concept. It's not a political concept. You can't mandate or order or direct or legalize conditions to the point where you can enforce people to love one another, to be kind to one another, to not be racist, to not be bigoted, to not be greedy. You can't do that. It's all human nature and it all has to be worked out within each of us, within our own hearts. And when enough of us do that, we will have a different world than the world we live in right now. But the good news is the pendulum has begun to swing because those people who were out of touch totally and still are with that higher spiritual side of themselves, with an understanding of what greed, an understanding of willful ignorance of history, and an understanding of what true governance in the highest good for all is about, those people have played their hand and now the pendulum begins to come back in the other direction. I find it ironic and almost a throwback to the 60s that I hear now people discussing the possibility of Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez being a potential nominee for the Democratic Party in 2024 for the presidency. This is a woman who cannot put two coherent thoughts together to make a plausible statement. The Democrats got away with this once. They got away with running a senile candidate from his basement. But we're living the consequences of that illusion, that delusion, that misinformation, and that disinformation. We're living the consequences now, and it will not happen again. There will not be another stealth candidate who they keep somewhat corralled, who they pick because she's a good actress, who they pick because they think they can manipulate, who they pick because they think she is the epitome of their radical leftist agenda. It isn't going to happen. My closing thought is around Kurt Vonnegut. If you don't know who he is, he is an American writer who lived between 1922. He died in 2007. Vonnegut wrote on the meaning of time, on the meaning of memory, and on culture itself. And when talking about Bill Gates all the way back then, right, because he died in 07, you know, somewhere probably in the late 90s, he was talking about Bill Gates. And here's what he said, quote, Gates is fundamentally saying, hey, don't worry about making your soul grow. I'll sell you a new product and instead let your computer grow year after year after year. Cheating people out of the experience of becoming. 
That's the quote from Vonnegut. First TV made us passive observers, and now the internet has made us mentally lazy and disconnected from both reality and nature. I think the technology has done what the left has done in a very similar way. It has swung so far in one direction without us keeping up socially or spiritually or even intellectually as a nation that the pendulum will begin to swing back in the other direction because we are living the deficit of and the effect of a waning humanity. And that waning humanity is the result of the technology and how it has impacted and taken over our lives. So again, out of every bad comes a good. We may have had to have pushed the limit, but I think we've reached the limit in both the corruption and in the technology. And I am optimistic. I am cautiously optimistic. I am the optimistic catastrophist about what lies ahead. I hope you can find good in those things as well. And I hope you look for the good in everything that happens in your own life on a daily basis. Focus on it and don't give the negativity any energy. Don't feed it and it will die out of its own accord. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on Friday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.